Our gospel lesson for today is taken from John, the second chapter. Our gospel lesson for today is a real shocker, especially if you were here last Sunday. John tells a story about Jesus calling his disciples, and the first thing they do is they go to a small town called Cana, small town people, and he went to a wedding. And he just had a great time, and he, he, he furnished so much wine that they had enough to keep themselves happy for about three or four days. <laughs> now it is that disciples, they, they come down to Jerusalem, to the big city, and, 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 and the first thing that he does, he picks a fight, as, as Pastor Joanne has already said. And so our lesson for today is Jesus picking a fight just after he'd been up to a big party, wondering what in the world is going on. The Passover of the Jews was near, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple he found people selling cattle and sheep and doves, and the money changers seated at their tables. Making a whip of cords, he drove all of them out of the temple, both the sheep and the cattle. He also poured out coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. He told those who were selling the doves, take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then said to him, what, kind, what sign can you show us for doing this? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, this temple has been under construction for 46 years, and will you raise it in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. When he was in Jerusalem during the Passover festival, many believed in his name because they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus on his part would not entrust himself to them because he knew all people and needed no one to testify about anyone. For he himself knew what was in everyone. The Gospel of our Lord. May the words of my mouth and the meditations in our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I can remember well the summer and winter breaks that I had as a teenager. And in particular, the time when my mother would come home after we had been left alone for the entire day. I might not remember much else about the day, but I remember my mom's entry point, because usually she would open the door to the garage and immediately become angry. She would say things like, what are all the shoes doing in the entryway? And then she would make her way into the kitchen and say, why are all the dishes still in the sink? Why isn't this table like cleaned off? And I would think to myself as a young ch uh, girl, I would think, was her day that bad? Why is she so angry? Her commute must have been awful today. And I never once considered the fact that my mom might be angry because of me. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I don't wonder why she was angry anymore. <laughs> I just had winter break at my house and I walked into my house one day and I turned into my mother. I opened the door from the garage to the kitchen and I said, why are the 
your shoes here in the entryway? Why are there dishes in the sink? And I thought, oh my gosh, these words are my mom's. <laughs> and I excused myself and I went on a walk after a little bit of ranting and raving and tried to calm myself down. I said, oh, I get it now. <laughs> I know why mom was angry. It had nothing to do with her commute because let's face it, my commute is nothing. <laughs> and most of my colleagues are really pleasant most days, so it's seldom that I walk home from work and I'm like, oh, we're off day. Instead, I enter the door and I think, oh, <sighs> here's why I was angry. It's because my expectations for what I wanted to experience when I walked into my house was altogether different from what I actually experienced. Not that I expected my kids to be perfect because I didn't, and then sometimes I will admit my expectations are here, and they're performing about here, so they're doing relatively well. This is not to bash my kids. They're like, wait a second, we did your list. They did my list, I tell you. Sometimes our expectations are really high. And when we don't experience what we are hoping to experience, we do become angry. And the reality is what I wanted to experience is I wanted to come home after a day of work and find a place of peace and solace and comfort. I didn't want to find something to add to my to-do list. Maybe you know what I'm experiencing. Maybe you've felt that way before. When Jesus walks into the temple in Jerusalem in order to celebrate the Passover, he walks in and he looks around. And he spends a minute just taking it all in, looking over at the money changers who are exchanging the current currency so people can pay the temple tax. He's looking at people buying and selling cattle and sheep so they can make their sacrifices. And he becomes angry. And I've been wondering all this week, why is Jesus so angry? What's up? Why is he so mad about what he experiences? Is there something else going on here? Is there corruption in the temple? Are there injustices being done? And some can make the arguments that that might be true. But I actually started to realize something different. Three little words caught my attention. These ones, my father's house. My father's house. Jesus says, don't make my father's house into a marketplace. And all of a sudden I thought, ah, Jesus is coming home. Jesus is coming home and walking in the door after a long journey and a long day. He did have a hard commute. <laughs> he walked. And what he expected to experience was altogether different from what he actually experienced. Jesus' expectations for what life would be like in his father's house was altogether different than what was actually happening in the temple. Because in the temple, there was chaos. In the temple, people were doing all sorts of things that were indeed required as part of their faith. But I have to believe that the furthest thing that they were experiencing was some sort of spiritual renewal. Some sort of wonderful encounter in which their spirits were fed and they felt this encounter with God. But instead, it looked as crazy as Target feels on a Saturday morning during peak time. I mean, let's admit it, 
That doesn't feel like what we want for Sabbath, even though we might want to support our local Target. I've got some Target employees up front. <laughs> the thing is, shouldn't we feel something different when we enter God's house? And what indeed does Jesus want us to experience? In the Gospel of John, Jesus says in the same passage that the temple will be torn down and raised up in three days. And this is all mysterious and difficult to understand, almost as difficult as the questions I asked the kids during the children's message. Um, but what he is meaning is that he, in fact, is the temple. If we want to know what it looks like or should be like in God's house, then the person we look to is Jesus. Jesus is going to show us what God wants for our world and what God wants for each and every one of us. And so what Jesus does in the Gospel of John is he does, as Hub said, some ordinary things. He goes to weddings and funerals. He meets people where they're at and listens to them. He meets people in the darkness of night who have big spiritual questions, and he listens to them and talks about them. He meets people in the heat of the day when they're going to the well to get water, and he offers forgiveness and living water. He meets people who are hungry, and he feeds them. He meets people who are broken, and he heals them. He meets people who are grieving, and he comforts them. And over and over and over again, we see Jesus showing up in the lives of people in order to proclaim love invitation and hospitality, forgiveness, and welcome. And I have to believe that Jesus, when he entered the temple, his father's house that day so long ago, and he looked around and he saw the money changers and the cattle and the sheep and the mass chaos, if he thought, this isn't right. Nothing about this feels inviting and welcoming. Nothing about this feels like we will be filled with God's love and peace. But instead, it feels like the rest of the world, where we're just going through the motions and the obligations that we have in front of us, and none of us get to experience the true presence of God. I think this text is an invitation for us to think about what God wants from our own houses of worship. Not to say you don't throw a bazaar or have a fundraiser, but instead, what indeed do we want people to experience when they come into God's house on 500 Blake Road? What would Jesus want people to experience when they walk in those doors on a Sunday morning or Wednesday evening? And would Jesus be happy with what's going on here? And if not... Are there perhaps things that we need to throw out? Things that we need to stop doing? Things we need to overturn? So you all should have in your bulletin a yellow sheet of paper. I'd like you to pull that out right now and hopefully find a pen. Um, I'm going to give you one minute because I would love for you to answer these questions. What would Jesus want to experience when he comes into God's house on 500 Blake Road? What would you want people to experience if you brought them here for worship with you? And what's getting in the way of those things being a reality? So you're going to have one minute, and then at the end, you'll put this in the offering plate later on in the worship service. Ushers, don't worry. You don't have to do extra work. So, And then I'm going to put those up. So here is your minute. 
Ready, go. So as I've reflected on this, here are some of the things that I think Jesus wants. I think when Jesus would like it, if when people walked in our doors, that they received a welcome and an invitation that went above and beyond anything we experience other places. Or maybe we go and invite that person we don't know to join us for coffee hour or to come to kids' time with Brian or preschool connection if they have little kids. I think I want people to show up and be able to be their true, authentic self so that if they are having a bad day, they can say that and receive care from somebody else. That when you are lonely and when you enter these doors, you experience community. And that you get to come here with your true questions of faith and really be heard. Where you get to bring them and not keep them inside because there's a right or a wrong answer, but because you get to be truly who you are on your own spiritual path. Sometimes one of my concerns about the church is that in spite of our best efforts to say be authentic, we still put on our good suits and we come dressed up for Sunday morning and I worry that we pretend to be better than we really are. Church is supposed to be the place where we come and we get to be real. And we get to show who we are as human beings. I heard this story recently. It was actually told to me by one of our members, Shauna Kiefer, who is a lawyer in our congregation. She's not here today. But when she told me the story, I asked permission immediately if I could share it at another point. So Shauna said one day she was at court and her client showed up and she was wearing um, ripped jeans and a scuzzy t-shirt and her hair was a mess and you know they're going before a judge and Shauna looked at her and was like what? What are you wearing? And her client goes I woke up this morning and I thought to myself court, 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 oh yeah that's the place you come as you are and you're loved no matter what. And Shauna goes, no! <laughs> and her client goes, right, that's church. <laughs> and I was like, that's a great story. And I said, and that's what church should be. I don't know that it always is. But that's who I think we should be. I think that's what it should be like to enter God's house where we come as we are, and we're loved no matter what. And if that isn't what people experience when they walk into this place, then I think we need to turn over some tables. I think we need to change some things. Because I do believe that is what God wants for each and every one of us, to come before God just as we are and know this truth. You are loved no matter what. Amen.